Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church. And as we are recording this, it is into a new year, 2022, January 2nd. And so, Happy New Year. Starting a new year allows us time to reflect on the last year, as well as to organize, plan out, and set goals for our new year. Now, there's no magic power to the calendar moving over, but as human beings, it helps our minds and our hearts sometimes to reflect and project where we want to go, who we are. In this sermon, we're going to be talking about our church specifically. If you call Pennington AG home, even if you call it PAG, if you call it your home church, what does that mean? What are we attempting to do as a church? And now there are biblical goals of every church of making disciples and leading people to Jesus' presence and knowing God and loving others. But we're going to talk about how we see that uniquely and specifically in our church community. If you're not a part of our church and you just like checking out what we're doing, hopefully it can be some inspiration for you as well. Our mission as a church is to lead people to Jesus. It's just four words, lead people to Jesus. And it's simple in that Jesus is the center of who we are. Our mission and our goal as a church is to lead other people and to lead one another into the presence of Jesus. This has been our mission for about five years now and began over a summer where I brought a few of our leaders and close friends together, mostly to help organize my own thoughts. And we talked about vision and mission and culture of a church and we spent months talking about this. And it was in one meeting after we'd made a lot of cute phrases and set out a lot of commas to try and cover every base that I said, why can't we just lead people to Jesus? Why does it have to be more complicated than that? And in that moment, the whole room went light bulb switch. And they said, yeah, do that, that, let's that make that the mission, lead people to Jesus. We don't need to explain any further. Our mission as a church is about Jesus, is for Jesus, is with Jesus, and is about leading his image bearers and his friends, you and I, into his presence. But examined closely, these simple four words, really in practicality, can look two different ways. One, leading people to Jesus can be about going into the community and building relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus in order to lead them into his loving presence and into a relationship with him. It can also mean leading one another and spurring each other on to deeper faith and knowledge of relationship with Jesus. Really, both are part of the same continuum. You're just starting at different parts along the line. But in our own mind, those are two focuses, leading those who don't know Jesus and leading one another. I want to look at a scripture verse in order to frame this, then we'll talk more specifically about some cultural values around this mission statement. In Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, we see an example of Jesus at the beginning of his mission and how that plays out. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. 
A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. What is church about? What are we doing? What is our goal? What is our purpose? Now, church can become about a lot of things. It can be about friends. These are my friends I've had a relationship with. I've been in church with them for decades. And my kids grew up with their kids. And we've shared life together through thick and thin. It's about our friendships. It can be about ecstatic experiences. I had a moment at an altar or I had a discernible time in a sermon where I felt God speak to me. I was healed by someone's prayers in this church about a ecstatic experience. It can be about activity. We do a lot. We're active a lot. I serve here. I lead here. I teach here. I'm involved in this. I bake pies for this. It can be about our activity. It can be in the worst ways about gatekeeping, who's in, who's out, who's right, who's wrong, about behavior improvement and just becoming better people who do more good. It can be about, in another dark way, blessings. I come to church for church to bless me, to give me, to show me and reveal things for my benefit. Or for some, it's simply about avoiding hell. If I go to church enough and if my mom drags me here enough, I can avoid going to hell one day when I die. Now, some of these are good things in the church. Some are terrible reasons to be in a church. But all of them are either tangential or uninvolved entirely of what the heart of being the church is about, what Jesus has called us to be about. In the heart of the Christian movement, in Mark chapter 1, our goal and our mission is simply to follow Jesus, to follow him to know him, to learn under him, to experience who he is, and to be taught by him, leading people into Jesus' presence. And for Mark 1, I'm going to give just quick three teachings to embrace. Number one, Jesus is seeking us. As we're leading people into Jesus' presence, first and foremost know Jesus is the one actively leading us into his presence. We come alongside of Jesus and we take part in this, but he's the one doing the seeking and searching which honestly is strange because in Jesus' culture, rabbis or Jewish teachers did not recruit their own disciples. It was like an Ivy League university, like in the most recent Spider-Man movie, trying to get into MIT and working really hard and fighting to get there. That's what rabbis were like. People would apply, they'd try to convince, they'd travel far and wide to see them and be under them. They would beg them, teach me. But instead, Jesus is literally going out and recruiting people to follow him. Not only is this humbling, but in their standards, it would have been, in a sense, humiliating. Almost like you have your own play on Broadway and no one's come to see it, so you're the main character, but you're out on the street shilling. Come and see it. Come, come and watch it. But this is the nature of Jesus. He seeks us out. He desires us to be in relationship with him. Jesus is seeking us. Number two, being a disciple is an identity and not an activity. We think of discipleship as an activity. I'm teaching someone, I'm discipling them, or I'm being discipled by. But a disciple in the gospel story is an identity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I see myself, my identity, who I am, by association with Jesus. I sit at his feet. 
I learn from his teaching. I watch his example. I follow him and then do likewise. You know who I am by my identity with this man. A disciple is someone who identifies themselves with Jesus. And finally, the third, following Jesus will teach you inherently to lead other people to Jesus as well. We don't start with necessarily leading people to Jesus. We start with being led towards Jesus' presence and then he teaches us to lead others. As we follow Jesus, as we encourage each other deeper into relationship, we begin to discover and embody what Jesus cares about. This includes justice, healing, loving our enemies. But a key growth area is Jesus' desire to seek out his lost children, to seek those who don't yet know the depth of the love God has for them embodied in Christ Jesus. A key character trait of Jesus is seeking the lost and seeking those who don't know him. This becomes embodied in us. And this is a large part of what we mean in leading people to Jesus. We can see this in Luke chapter 15, verses 4 and 7. A chapter heavy in recruiting language, seeking language. Jesus shares multiple stories in Luke 15 about people seeking out lost things. In verse 4, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. As a church, part of our identity is to continually be seeking that one lost sheep, to continually be working outside of our doors, outside of our community, outside of our gates in order to reach and save those who don't yet know Jesus and to introduce them to his loving presence. So what is the model of leading people to Jesus? One of the critiques of it is just four words are kind of vague. So what does it mean and what does it look like? In the start of 2022, we've been through two wild years that have honestly shaken what I understand about leading people to Jesus and what it means to be not just a church, but a follower of Jesus themselves. We're gonna look at four aspects or four cultural values about leading people to Jesus. And in it, I will share with you part of my heart and vision for how we accomplish this goal of leading people to Jesus this year and moving forward. The first is called teaching a beautiful Jesus. Teaching about the beauty of Jesus, focusing all of our teachings around him. Now, I want to preach and as a church, teach a beautifully balanced, historic, doctrinally sound view of God. He is three in one, Father, Son, and spirit. But the New Testament makes clear we know the Father and we have received the Spirit by the Son. And we encounter God's character and know him because of Christ Jesus. And so the focus is to understand the complex Trinitarian God by entering into relationship with Jesus. 
and through his beauty and grace we discover who God is. It is by this Jewish rabbi who lived and taught 2,000 years ago that we can know who God is because he was God himself. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18, Paul talking to the church in Ephesus shares it and teaches it like this. He says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. We come to the Father through the Holy Spirit because of Jesus' death and resurrection that has made it possible. And so we understand the beauty of Jesus. We enter into God's presence through his Spirit. John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus teaches it like this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The Father's character and will is revealed in Christ Jesus. And the means of restored relationship for us to know the Father comes through the covering blood of Jesus Christ that makes us righteous and able to enter his presence. God's presence then for us is experienced by the Spirit. John 16, 6. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. The advocate being the Holy Spirit. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. That it is Jesus who sends us his Spirit. Jesus makes known the Father. Jesus sends the Spirit. And so as a church, as we discover who God is and by that reflection who we are, we begin with and we center our teachings on the beauty of Jesus Christ, his character, his nature, and his activity in our lives. Or, as Augustine said in his writings on the Trinity, the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the activity of that love. All this to say, I believe that we teach God most fully, most accurately, and most lovingly by centering and beginning our teachings in Jesus. All this to say, I believe we teach the most accurate and captivating view of God, most accurate to scripture and tradition by beginning with Christ Jesus. Additionally, we live in a time that is really anxious, aggressive, angry, you don't believe me, pause this video, open up any social media app, or go to another YouTube video and just read the comments underneath it. We live in an environment where it's so much easier to turn other people into a caricature. And by that, we then destroy them and tear them down. It's very hard to lovingly open up to another person in 2022. We've separated into camps and there's no longer nuance. You're either good or you're evil. and You're either very good or you're very, very evil. And into this, the healing in our hearts begins by focusing on the calming, good, loving, lowly nature of the Christ Jesus we serve. I can learn to show compassion and love on my enemies by reading Jesus' teachings about how to do so. I can learn to show them grace and mercy by knowing that God has shown me grace and mercy by Christ Jesus. Those who are exhausted right now 
can turn to Christ Jesus and receive his rest. As he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. follow me and I will give you rest. To those who have a burden for our chaotic, painful world, Jesus says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. We focus on the beautiful character of Jesus. How do we do this? What will this look like as a church? In the core of our teaching is our understanding of the Bible, that the Bible is a unified story, both human and divine, that leads to Jesus. If you want to see a further teaching on this, watch my video from a year ago and you will see an in-depth 45-minute breakdown of what this sentence means. That the scriptures, the Bible, is a unified story, both human and divine, that leads to Jesus. We will teach as a church that the entirety of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is a story of God's love and redemption for humanity and the goodness of his character and that the climactic moment is in the last third of the Bible as we are introduced to God in Christ Jesus. That in our small groups, that in our children's ministry, that in our counseling and from the stage, we will always use scripture to point out the long story that has its climax in the loving relationship of Jesus. Not just teaching Bible reading, but Bible study and applying Jesus into every circumstance. We will focus on the beauty of Jesus and we will enter into understanding God and understanding scripture through Christ Jesus who has revealed it to us as the living word. So first way we lead people to Jesus is by teaching a beautiful Jesus. The second way, not as engaging language, cultivating a consistent community. That our vision is to cultivate a consistently loving, reliable community. And that in our culture now, we live rapid and fast-paced. Things don't last very long and things change very quickly. From social media to individualized tech, it is important to build a community that you know will stick with you through thick and thin, that you know is reliable and will be there tomorrow. Change is a constant in modern life, and much of our interaction with each other is now distant. Through our smartphones, on our computers, over the airwaves, it is distant, but in Christ Jesus, the church is called to be a consistent, embodied community. The author of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8, says this about Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We may live in a world that feels like shifting sands, but in the community of Jesus, his nature is consistently the same. And as the author John says in John 1:14, so the word became human and made his home among us. I have said, for the last two years, multiple times out of necessity of the state of our world, that the church is not just meeting in a room, that we can go virtual, we can do these things and still be the church, but at the heart of it, we are missing something when we are not embodied saints together. But absolutely, I believe we should do everything in our power to be agents of compassionate love to protect others during a pandemic, 100%. But at the same time, 
the global scale and the long scope of the church is to care about each other, embodied, and to be there. How does cultivating a consistent community lead people to Jesus? Well, from Genesis chapter 11, God begins a communal, consistent plan to produce Jesus and to reveal our need for him. And for a thousand years, it is relational and communal. Family, begetting family, community, coming together in community, kingdom, fighting kingdom, as a community so that out of this community, their need for Jesus would be apparent and that eventually there would be a family to produce Christ Jesus. God's mechanism in scripture is community, slow, messy community. Second, when Jesus comes, he then lives and operates in community. As we saw in Mark chapter 1, Jesus' first action is to recruit a community around him, to do the mission together. Jesus, by his very nature, always operates communally. And then the New Testament, after Jesus' resurrection, is communal. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, lay out the methodology of the first church, And it is daily coming together in meals, in song, in the reading of scripture, and the prayer for each other. I'm not saying daily. I'm just saying consistently coming together as a church body. Finally, when we visit the character of Jesus and we revisit our talk of a Trinitarian God, we know that God's existence has always been communal. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Our model is the same, consistently sharing life in Christ Jesus together. In this year, we are going to fight and work and provide mechanisms for community again. For mid-space communities where after service we're meeting and talking and celebrating together. For small group communities that are led from the top down where you know you are cared for and you have a consistent place to search for Jesus and explore your faith. We're going to hold special teachings and moments of retreating together to invest in and to build that community. So, teaching a beautiful Jesus, cultivating a consistent community, and third way that we lead people to Jesus, our third cultural value, is embracing sacred spaces. I want my experience with Jesus to affect me. I want to be able to feel his presence, to know that he's real and active and moving and working. For many in my generation, the church has become such a business tool model of marketing and vision statements and clever approaches and structures that we can even ask, would this work if God never existed at all? Would this mechanism still work? Would people still be as passionate about it? We want to cultivate, because of Christ Jesus, spaces and places that are sacred, where we enter in and we can sense the presence of God, where God is moving and working in his church, where we share with each other words the Spirit has put on our heart. We share with each other transformative works of what God is doing and that together we know that this is sacred and special. The early church embraced this setting of time and space aside for God to move and work most notably in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is a crazy story of a space being set aside by the early church, set aside for the reading of scripture, set aside for prayer, set aside for advocating consistently with one another in a room together, seeking God to do something and move in them. And then God showing up, showing up and making that space sacred. They set a time and place aside. God's presence then made it sacred. As we lead people to Jesus, we want to cultivate a community and spaces where people say this isn't manufactured or contrived. I heard God speak to me in this moment. I experienced his presence as somebody prayed over me, as they shared, or as we sung, I knew that God was in the room with me and Jesus was calling out to me. God became real to me. More than just teaching and more than just human relationships, we want to create spaces where people can encounter the living God. All of this is about treating the presence of Jesus as beautifully sacred. To create worship nights where the presence of God moves and communally we sense his presence. To end and provide in every service experiential moments of praying and being prayed for and seeking God's spirit. Setting aside special times for weekends and midweeks where we are seeking God's presence together. Setting aside times and place for sacred experiences with God's presence. And so, teaching a beautiful Jesus, cultivating a consistent community, and embracing sacred spaces, our fourth and final way that we lead people to Jesus is by living a missional life. Living a life that expands and is active outside of our meeting spaces. That our faith in Jesus and his activity in our lives, that relationship affects us and transforms us. The final missional value is that leading people to Jesus doesn't just exist inside the four walls, but that it impacts our character that we take into the office, the classroom, and our home. That we are made different by Jesus. That our experience with Jesus continues on when we leave our gatherings. And that I'm at work and I'm still praying and seeking God to be speaking through me and moving me. That at home, I have my own regular time of reading the word and seeking Jesus to be revealed to me by the scriptures. And that I'm thinking about my life, where God has placed me as a mission field for me to love people and lead them to the presence of Jesus. That we are a church present in the community that God has placed us in, in Pennington and Mercer County, in order to form relationships and love our neighbors outside of our four walls and outside of Sunday services, outside of small groups, that we are in our community and know our neighbors. And that we have a global, humanity-scaled mission that we remain connected to through partners and partnerships around the world to know that the mission of leading people to Jesus is global in scale. As James says in James chapter 2, verse 17, faith without works is dead. We need to be actively about the mission of leading people to Jesus, affecting and working in the world. And as Matthew chapter 6 records of Jesus' own words, the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That we desire 
in our journey of leading people to Jesus to transform this world to be more loving, to be more gracious, to be more joy-filled by coming into relationship with Jesus. This is where Kingdom Builders comes in and is not just a clever mechanism for us to raise more money, but is a mechanism we use to give resources away that the kingdom of God can expand and reach and transform outside of our four walls, to partner with organizations that care for vulnerable families and young mothers and children, to partner with organizations that feed the hungry, to take the mission around the globe in other countries and continents, to partner with national organizations that the kingdom of God exists outside of Pennington AG Church to be involved in monthly service projects and community events, to be inviting others into what God is doing in our church community. That it is not just about what we are experiencing together, but that it naturally overflows into the community around us. And that leading people to Jesus is about that very phrase, that we are engaged and involved by our lives in leading other people into the loving presence of the God who made them and knows them. Finally, we're going to revisit the verse we began with in Mark chapter 1, specifically verse 17. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. My desire this year is that we would become and be known as, and be known for our activity as a church in leading people to Jesus. That we would be known as people so in love with Jesus that we're pouring over scriptures, that we are diving in deep and praying for his presence, that we are singing passionately and with joy for what Jesus has done, for who Jesus is, for what he is doing in our lives, and that that would overflow out of us so we would become missional men and women, leading people into sacred spaces, consistent community, and to know a beautiful Jesus as revealed in the scriptures. Will you join me on that mission and that journey? I want to give you an opportunity today, if you're watching this video and you're not a part of this at all, you want to join in this mission and begin by knowing Christ Jesus yourself, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer. If you are a follower of Jesus, commit together that we begin by ourselves taking up that call and following Jesus, dropping our nets, getting out of the boat, and entering into this relationship. If you'll pray this with me. Jesus, in this moment, we answer your call from Mark 1:17. your call to follow you. And today, Jesus, I say yes to that call. I say yes to your presence and yes to your invitation that I want to follow you as my teacher, as my friend, as my savior, and as my Lord. That Jesus, by you, I am transformed by your presence. That by you, your death on the cross, your taking of my sin and shame, I am set free from death itself, sin, shame, condemnation by your activity on the cross and that you rose again on the third day, resurrected, conquering death, full of life eternally, and that by you, as I follow you, I can receive the promise of eternal life with you 
and that my life today begins the process of resurrection and wholeness and that missional life in me. Jesus, you gave your life for us. Today, we commit our lives to follow you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's lead people to Jesus today. These values will shape our year for 2022. We'll spend one quarter focusing on the character of God as revealed by Christ Jesus, his beauty. We'll spend a quarter talking about the consistent community that Christ has brought together. Another looking at the sacredness of space and how the Holy Spirit works in us and through us. And then finally, we'll close out the year talking again about the missional life God has called us to. And so I invite you to join with us in this winter season, this first quarter of the year, as we draw out and focus on the character of our God as revealed in the beauty of Christ Jesus.